The Lord be with you. It is so good to see you all here. It is so good to welcome everyone who is online. Welcome to this morning, for this is the day that the Lord has made, and we are so glad to worship together. Only our amazing God could gather us up from all over and make of us one people this morning, worshiping the one God who is our refuge and our strength. Welcome to this No Fear New Year as we go through that topic together, as we look at that topic today in our worship service. There are some announcements I would like to share with you today. We have our Bible study, which is coming up this coming Thursday, and that is the White Fragility Book Discussion Study. Kate still has a couple of books rattling around in her office if you are in need of one. We're going to do that on Zoom at 7 o'clock, and that is happening every month on the fourth Thursday at 7 p.m., and you are always welcome. Some important dates to remember from Babs, our church secretary. Address and phone number changes are due into her by February 1st. Also, if you have not yet picked up your directories, they are, on the, they are in the back of the narthex outside the uh, sanctuary, so make sure you grab your envelope with your name on it. Also, if you are a committee chair or part of a fellowship group, all annual reports are due by February 7th to get us ready for our annual meeting the last Sunday in February, which will also be on Zoom. We're going to let our crew try to figure that out, so that'll be exciting. We also have our devotionals ready for you as well, so you can grab one of those on your way out of the building today, and if you want them mailed to your home, we can do that as well. As we continue to move forward into the year, we are also updating uh, to all of you our pledge status for 2021. Right now, we are up to 479,646, and actually, I can give you a better update. We're up to 513. Our, we need to get um, uh, farther down the road. We're waiting for about 25 families to, uh, who gave last year to hand in their pledge. So if you've not yet had a chance to do that, please do so. And if you are giving online, know that until Kim hears the magic word pledge, uh, she is not counting that towards your pledge. So make sure that you communicate uh, with her. And thank you all for your generosity, especially in 2021 and now in 2020 or in 2020 as we continue to be in covid this congregation and many of our members online our visitors have been contributing to our financial budget and to various mission projects that we have and we are amazed by the generosity that is flowing into the life of this church not only with finances but with time so much time given to serve and the sharing of gifts and skills and abilities, for indeed, we are blessed. I'd like to update you on a few things, pastoral care. Jerry Gibbons uh, had the first of two surgeries at Henry Ford Hospital on January 7. It was hoping that he could return home afterward, but he's needing to rebuild his strength. So he is actually at a rehabilitation center in Rochester near his son's. And then the second surgery now has been postponed until the end of the first week of February. So we know that he's going to be away from us for a little while. We're asking for prayers for him and for his wife, Barb, who is now staying with her daughter, Paige, um, until all is well and they can be reunited again um, in the, by the end of March. Also, Bill McIntyre, we heard from his daughter that he late Thursday or late Tuesday had open heart surgery. His recovery is going slowly, but he's getting there. So we would ask that you would continue to remember Bill McIntyre and his wife, Donna, in your prayers. Also, we want to continue to remember the Folsom family. Sheila's grandmother, Mary, passed away four months before her 100th birthday. And so while we give God thanks for Mary, we also want to uphold this family who is grieving with our prayers. Our four families of the week this week are the Batesons, the Paul and Pam Johnson, the Major, and the Weber families. So let us now be about what we have come to do. Let us worship God.
please stand <coughs> as you are able and join me in this morning's call to worship as printed in the bulletin. If you're worshiping with us online, your responses will be on your screen. In a stable, God did the impossible. Through a teenager, God did the impossible. Upon the cross of Calvary, God did the impossible. In the darkness of the tomb, God did the impossible. Come. Let us worship the God who does the impossible. Amen. join me in the call to confession. No matter where we have been, no matter what we have done, Jesus forgives and loves us. Jesus' love casts out fear. Let us pray. Gracious God, our lives are full of fear. We fear the future. We fear not having enough. We fear the unknown. We fear mistakes. Yet time and time again, you have told us to not fear, to trust in you and your grace. But in our humanity, it is sometimes too much for us to do. Pull us out of the darkness of our fears and into your light, Holy God. Help us to trust in you and your word. Help us to live as the people you have created us to be, full of light, full of grace, and free from fear. Amen. Our words of forgiveness are from Isaiah 43, 1. The Lord says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Let us hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
to our scripture passage in Genesis, but before we do, I wanted to highlight in our bulletin this year, we have added little one to two verse scripture passages that you can hang on to all week. And we started the service with Psalm 34, verse four. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. So often it seems to me that sometimes we turn to God's word and we just need a little verse to get us through the day. So we wanna be providing those to you each week in our bulletin. So this is actually our second reading today and it comes from Genesis chapter three, verses one through 13, and it's from the NIV version. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees and the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, said the serpent to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him. The Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. This is the word of the Lord for this day. Thanks be to God. Tom and Eddie, the skit guys, here to help you to conquer your fear with five tips. That's right. Number five, acknowledge your fear. Write it down. Get it out there. Oh, do that, Tommy. Do that. That's a great idea, okay? Here's the thing. When you write down your fear, it kind of helps just squelch the fear. Tommy is going to show you right now that we all have this in common. We all have fears. This is Tommy's number one fear. This is my number one fear. I've seen it happen to people, and it's tragic. I can't imagine what it would be like to... Really? So much skin. Number four, realize that most of your fears don't even come true. Yours did. This isn't a fear. Looks like it should have been. When it comes to those fears, they don't really ever come true. Like some people have a fear of garden gnomes coming alive in the middle of the night and destroying you. What? Yes, a bunch of people fear that. I don't think so. It's a legitimate fear. Those little statues in people's yards. Those evil statues in people's yards. 
Oh, this is your fear. You're afraid of. No, You're afraid of garden gnomes. I'm not. Yes, no, I'm not. I'm not Look at me. No. Okay, okay, okay. Moving on. Number three, do the thing you fear. Yes. Yes. Like, stay the night in a yard filled with garden gnomes. No, it really is a good idea to do what you fear. In fact, Winston Churchill said, do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. No, Winston Churchill didn't say that. Hmm? Emerson said that. What? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. How do you know that? Well, I had a college class on it. Did you just say, how do I know that? Yep. Okay, you know what I'm curious about? I'm curious what it would look like if I shaved your head. That's not funny. I'm not laughing. Number two, be curious. Yeah, because when you're curious, you're not focusing on your fear. You're squelching your fear. You're, you're opening the door for God's wonder. Curiosity does that. Yeah, and you'll also find that curiosity did not kill the cat. It was that creepy kid across the street. There's someone to be afraid of. You don't even be afraid of him. Because the number one way to conquer your fear is to trust in God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of the Lord is not a fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Yeah, in fact, I got you a little keepsake to help you remember that. Thanks, buddy. That's what I like about this guy. He's always thinking of other people. Ah! So there you have it, friends. Go out there. Conquer your fear. Make that bucket list of things that you want to do and know that God is on your side because there is nothing that you have to be afraid of. Hear the good news. Our second scripture reading is from John 1, verses 1 through 17. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John. John was one of Jesus' close friends and disciples during his earthly ministry and wrote this Gospel based on his eyewitness account of Jesus' life and teaching. The following passage is typically read during the Christmas season, but for this morning, we will be focusing on the reminder that Jesus was with God from the beginning of creation. Hear now God's words for you today. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was the world, and through the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory in the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. One of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
My friends, let us pray. Holy God, may all that we do and say in this day be well and good in your sight. And it's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. I stood at the edges of a parking lot in the warmth of the early spring sunshine of North Florida. I could smell the tar of the asphalt as it baked in the heat, the diesel fumes from the engine of the nearby crane, the smell of the salted air wafted up from the Gulf of New Mexico that I could not see, but I knew it to be just over the horizon from where I stood. I could hear the cries of the seagulls in the distance as they circled the beach in hopes of finding a washed up crab or a fish, or the generosity of a tourist with the crackers from their lunch. A man tinkered with the contraption at my feet that bound my ankles while I watched my older brother and sister as they bent over a table reading and signing waiver forms. Since they were 21 and 26 years old respectively, they could sign their own forms, but since I was a minor at 16 years of age, mom or dad, I don't remember who, had to sign my form for me. Once the man at my feet completed his task, ankles bound, I hobbled my way into a steel basket with two other men and heard the clank of the basket's door slam shut behind me. I turned to look at my family and bravely smiled and waved at my parents, my brother, two sisters and brother-in-law, all of us enjoying a week's vacation together during my spring break. As I waved, I heard my brother call out to me, good luck, accompanied by that non-assuring, cackling laugh that can only be produced by a big brother who wants to make sure you know that he knows something that you don't. The steel basket suddenly lurched and then swayed briefly as it began its ascent, as the crane began rising us into the sky. I did my best to distract myself with a feeble attempt to enjoy the scenery, as my limited view from the parking lot suddenly became a sweeping view of the whole town and then the ocean beyond. As the basket rose higher and higher, so did my fear. I could feel the adrenaline coursing through my body, depleting my extremities of strength. The sound of my heart drummed out almost every other sound, even my own voice, as I can remember making small talk with the men with me in the basket, probably making some lame joke to prove that I was brave. After all, I certainly was not going to let them think that I was simply a frightened teenage girl. I doubt the facade worked. There came a point where I was convinced that our ascent skyward was never going to end. Even glancing up from time to time to see how much farther we had to go before reaching the apex of the arm of the crane. Thankfully, the basket's ascent finally came to a halt. Yet my journey had only just begun. Are you ready? Asked one of the men with me. Pretty sure I only nodded, as words were impossible at this point. One of them unlatched the door to the cage, the door that had kept us safely inside the basket, which suddenly became a comfy and cozy place to me. But again, fear was not going to stop me as I inched toward the opening in the abyss beyond. As I glanced down, the air mattress in the parking lot below which once loomed tall and mammoth as I stood beside it on the blessed ground, now looked no bigger than a postage stamp from my perch 250 feet above. I remember thinking that if something were to go wrong, there was no way I was landing on that thing. My instinct at that point was to back up and away from the door but the contraption tied to my ankles caught on the underside of the cage, so I was stuck, literally, with no turning back. Don't look down, one of the guys said, so I stared straight ahead, trying to allow the sparkles of the sun's rays on the ocean beyond settle me down. But there was no time for that, as the men beside me were well-versed 
in the art of not letting people think too long, and suddenly I heard them yelling in stereo in my ears, three, two, one. Now wait a minute here. Why in the world was I, as the youngest of my siblings, going first in such an endeavor? Shouldn't the eldest go first? Why was I the guinea pig here? Looking back on this whole experience, I suddenly feel like the guy in the king's court whose job it is to taste the food before it is served to the king to make sure it isn't poisoned and he doesn't die. I wonder if that's what my siblings were thinking. Well, if Kathleen doesn't die, we should be good to go. So there I stood, wondering if the view of the Gulf of Mexico was going to be my last as the men yelled, three, two, one. Now wait a minute here. What in the world was I trying to prove anyway? What was the point of this whole experience? Well, quite frankly, I wanted the story. I wanted to be able to brag to my friends back home. I wanted, to pe I wanted people to think that I was cool. That's it. But I had to get past my fear first before I could have the story. So it's really all Kelly's fault. <laughs> Didn't she just say last week that everything we want is on the other side of our fear? Of course, I didn't know these words were going to be said 29 years later by someone I wasn't going to meet for another 22 years. Regardless, it's still her fault. <laughs> so there I stood a death grip on the steel cage that had suddenly become my best friend. But with the men screaming in my ears, three, two, one, bungee. Now wait a minute here. <laughs> yes, it's true, and I'm sure you all figured it out by now. I went bungee jumping. But let's be honest. I'm using the word jumping very loosely here. What I did on that beautiful spring day in Florida 29 years ago was more like bungee falling or bungee tumbling. There was no jumping out of that cage on my part at all, as there was barely any strength in my legs at that point to barely stand up, let alone jump. This was quite possibly the most graceless thing I have ever done with my body ever. <laughs> There was no spring from the cage. There was no graceful swan dive into the blue sky as I leapt from the platform, no. I simply tumbled, stumbled, and fell out of that cage. But now, I got the story. And my 16-year-old self just knew it would make for a killer sermon opener one day. So fear is a fascinating thing, really. And it takes, all, takes on all sorts of forms and affects us in all sorts of ways. It's something that we are all familiar with and all can relate to. Granted, my story was a story about fear deliberately induced. Yet as I sat writing about this experience, my arms and legs felt that familiar weakness as I relived the story and put it on paper. As we are in the midst of our No Fear New Year series, I wanted to take a look and see how far, how fear even came about according to scripture. And it didn't take long to find. Our first scripture reading this morning took us to the book of Genesis and that potentially familiar story to us all of our friends Adam and Eve. Regardless of your religious upbringing, regardless of your religious affiliation, regardless of whether you have actually read this portion of the Bible or not, you are more than likely familiar with this portion, with this story. As this story has been referenced in countless of ways over the centuries through pop culture, music, paintings, most of us are familiar with references to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or to Eve and the forbidden fruit, or to the crafty serpent. Those who affiliate themselves with one of the three major monotheistic religions, Judaism, Islam, or Christianity, recognize this story as the place where sin originally enters into the world. And as incredibly important as this is to our understanding of God, 
and his interaction with all of humanity since then, I believe this is also the inauguration of fear, where the administration of fear begins to hold public office and enters into the story of humanity and becomes a part of our lives for the very first time. There's a lot going on in this story, a lot of deep theological concepts. But I'm just going to jump right into the post-snack time moment after Eve's conversation with the serpent, who we also identify as being Satan, after Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. So beginning at verse 7 from Genesis 3, let's just hear this story again. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But God called to the man, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then Adam said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to Eve, what is this that you have done? And Eve said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So first, let's get this elementary school sibling rivalry-esque blame game out of the way. God asks a straightforward question of Adam, did you eat what I told you to, told you not to? To which the finger pointing starts flying. Adam blames Eve first and then even has the guts to blame God himself. Well, this woman that you put in this place with me, it's her fault. Somehow, God just simply ignores Adam's accusation of him and turns to Eve to get her take on the story, to which Eve, of course, blames the serpent. No one is willing to accept responsibility for their own actions. And now everyone, us included, gets to suffer for all time. But I'd like us to turn back to that first question of God's as he called out to Adam and Eve, where are you? To which Adam responded, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And there it is, the inauguration of fear. To which God responded, who told you that you were naked? And in all reality, God is also asking, who told you to be afraid? After all, this was not an emotion or a reality God ever intended for his creation to be fearful, to worry, to be embarrassed, to be afraid, especially of him. But it was at this moment, when Eve made a choice to listen to the serpent, to Satan, it was in that moment when she and Adam made a choice outside of God's command that everything changed and humanity's separation from God began that things changed for all time when they realized that they were naked and afraid. That could make for an interesting TV show. Hmm. And it was in that moment where not only did we become prisoners to our sinful natures, but became prisoners of our fearful natures as well, because we listened to the wrong voice. But here is the good news. It was also in that moment when the people disobeyed God and sin entered the world and fear became a reality. That is the moment in which God also gave us, gave us his oath of grace. It was in that moment that God set his plans for redemption into motion. Though thousands of years in the making, it was a perfect plan that would lead us from the Garden of Eden to the cross of Calvary. After all, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And though it can be difficult to wrap our minds around, sound theology tells us that Jesus was present with God at the beginning of creation, just as the Gospel writer John has reminded us. And when the Word became flesh, when Jesus was born unto us, then it was in that moment that we got to see God's glory the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's oath 
fulfilled. As disappointed as God must have been with his children, Adam and Eve, after they disobeyed his command by doing the one thing he asked them not to do, he still loved them and loved all of his creation that would someday come from them, including you and me. But our choices, our sinful natures, lead us away from God's presence, thus the need for God's plan of redemption which is his offering of grace for us all as fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So God's got our sins covered by this oath of grace, but that still brings us back to the question before us today. Who told you to be afraid? Whose voice will you choose to listen to? Do you choose to listen to the voice of Satan who could care not one bit about you and your well-being, the liar of all liars? Who told you to be afraid? Whose voice do you choose to listen to? Will you choose to listen to those voices who tell you that you're not good enough? Will you choose to listen to that inner voice that won't let you free of your past mistakes? Will you choose to listen to those voices that inspire fear of the future, fear of ill health, fear of not having enough, whatever enough might be? Now granted, there is something to be said in regards to the reality of fear, as it can also keep our behaviors in check and help us make sound decisions that won't put us or others in jeopardy or harm's way. They call that a healthy do dose of fear, right? Personally, I feared my parents in what I would consider a healthy way and that it kept me from breaking curfew or underage drinking. And with my bungee jumping experience, I feared the law of gravity and putting too much faith into a giant rubber band attached to my ankles. Ironically enough, not long after my siblings and I safely returned from our bungee jumping experience, Bungee jumping was banned in a majority of states. <laughs> so in some ways, fear can be a good thing, unless the fear comes from voices that seek to deliberately distract you and deter you from being the person God intended you to be, from recognizing his love for you and receiving his gift of grace. Who told you to be afraid? Because it wasn't God. It was never God, nor will it ever be. Will you let fear be the thing that defines your life? Or will you choose to listen to all the voices in scripture who have said over and over again, do not be afraid. In Chapel Friday this past week, Rosedale's own personal Yoda, Joyce Backus, said, fear does nothing more than make our lives small. And she's so right. Fear can prevent us from action, from living life to the fullest. Fear can drum up all sorts of doubts and can cloud our vision of seeing ourselves and our lives the way God sees them. God loves us too much to be fearful. Who told you to be afraid. Whose voice will you listen to? In this No Fear New Year, I am choosing to listen only to God's voice, the voice of the one who loves me unconditionally, the voice of the one who told me he would never leave me or forsake me, the one who assures me that my future is in his hands, the one who has provided for all of my needs, and the one who will not break his oath of grace upon my life. It is my hope and prayer that in this No Fear New Year, you will join me in choosing to listen to God's voice only as well. And admittedly, it's not easy. That's why we go together. So let's go together, listening only to God's voice, and realizing that fear is nothing to fear at all, so that we can live out the whole of our lives knowing that God's power is in us, making all things possible.
Amen. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. How amazing it is to be blessed 
in so many ways by the God who loves us, by Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, and the Holy Spirit who runs wild in our lives, equipping us to stand against fear, to generosity, to freedom, freedom to love because Jesus loved us. So standing in this moment of being grateful, trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, that truth, that light, that love that we have been given, our offering is one way that we can share all of those things. So however you choose to give, to get, to give today, whether you mail in an envelope or you drop one in the black box in the hall, or whether you give online, know that the many and various ways that you give all go to one purpose, to loving others as Christ loved us. And know that your gift is never small because it multiplies in the hands of God. So at this time, we now receive our morning offering.
be seated. Let us pray. Generous God, we come before you now and we dedicate the offerings of our life and our labor to you, to your kingdom and your children. And we thank you that in your hands, like fishes and loaves, all of those gifts can be multiplied in so many ways, far-reaching people more than we could ever imagine. And for that, we give you thanks that you have invited us to be a part of your good work. In the inauguration of fear and the oath of grace, God who casts out all fear, unlock the doors of our heart that we hide behind. For a while we feel safe and secure until we realize it's not the way to live. It's not the abundant life that your son Jesus came to give us. For all too often we realize when we've kept fear at the forefront of our lives that everything we want is on the other side of fear. And we know that the way to get there is through you. For God of life, God of no fear, God of promises, Help us to rely on those promises you give us. Help us to write them in our heart. Fear not, for you, God, have redeemed us. For we seek you, Lord, and you answer us and deliver us from all our fears. And from the stable to the tomb to the resurrection, we give you thanks that you are the light in any darkness this world has to offer. For help us to remind ourselves that when we seek your forgiveness that we can count on the fact that you've given it. We don't have to stay in that guilty place anymore. Help us to realize that no matter where we have been, no matter what we have done, that you, Jesus, are always faithful, for you are with us. For God who walks beside us in our lives, Adam's question is ours today. Who told you to be afraid? For in this moment, God, you offer us freedom, freedom to love, freedom to live. This garden can be your world, although it certainly doesn't look like it at times but we know that with you all things are possible. So today, with your grace, we lay down our fear and we pick up the freedom to live and to love and to cast light like you. Holy Spirit, be at work in us. Unlock all those closed doors of fear. And like a volume control, help us to dial down our fears and to dial up the voice of Jesus, who told us that just as he is the light of the world, that he has made us to be light. May we as individuals and as a congregation, as RGPC, the mission station, be bearers of your light today and every day. We give you thanks for all those who bear light to us. We give you thanks for the opportunity to pray for Jerry and for Bill and their families. We give you thanks for the Folsom family. We give you thanks for Mary and her life. We give you thanks for our families of the week, the Batesons and the Johnsons and the Majors and the Weber. We give you thanks for all those family and friends that we have named on our prayer list. For God, who will not break your oath of grace to us, today we give you thanks and praise, as together we say your prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And my friends, who told you to be afraid? Because it was not God. Whose voice will you choose to listen to? Join me in letting God's voice be the only voice that you hear this day, all days, and every day for the rest of your life. And now, my friends, may the grace of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you this day and always. Amen.